Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hey, welcome to The Inner Life today here on this Wednesday of the 22nd week in Ordinary Time. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. Glad to have you along for this hour of spiritual direction here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And today as we begin the program, what is the best job that you have ever had? And what made it so good? Did, it, did you simply just enjoy the work? Was it just really good work? Or was it that you worked with great people? Because, boy, those, the people that you work with, they can definitely make or break a job. Was it great because you had flexible hours or maybe some really good benefits? Or was it all of those things? And maybe you're still there. Are you working in that favorite best ever job right now? On the other hand, what's the worst job that you ever had? One that made going to work dreadful. Hopefully you're not working in that job right now. My worst job, the one that I actually look back and say, yeah, that's the one I had to walk away from. I really enjoyed the work. During the summer between my freshman and sophomore years in college, I had a friend who connected me with this guy he knew who owned his own painting business. And this man, he hired me, and so I spent a good portion of that summer painting houses. And I really did enjoy the work. It was very rewarding. It was very satisfying because, you know, we'd start at the beginning of one week. And at the end of that week, typically by Thursday, sometimes we'd, we'd have the work done in four days. By the end of that week, you could stand back and you could look at the exterior of that house that we had done all the work on. We'd painted, we'd done all the trim, all the, the you know, fine detail work on it there. And there was that proof, that tangible reality of a newly painted house that showed the work that we had accomplished over those last four or five days. And on top of that, I was mainly working outdoors in the summer, and it was early hours. We'd start around 7 o'clock in the morning. We'd be done by 2 or 3 in the afternoon. So it was this really ideal schedule and job for a college student during the summer. And I was going to work through the entire summer. I was going to work until classes started up again in that fall semester. But I ended up quitting about a month before I had originally planned, somewhere in mid to late July that summer. And the thing that made the job so horrible, well, it was the boss. It was the guy that I was working for, the owner of that painting company. It started out fine right at the beginning of June, somewhere around the third or fourth week into working with this guy. The first thing that happened, he started asking if I could take a little less pay than what we originally agreed upon. And he said something along the lines of, hey, Josh, I had to pay up front for some of the paint and some of the supplies for the house that we're going to be working on next week. So I'm a little low on cash right now until we get the final payment for this house that we're doing right now. 
so, you know, can, can I give you $100 just to tide you over until next week? And so that's what happened. And I said, okay, yeah, that, that's fine, I guess, you know. And he did make up the balance that he owed me the following week. And then a couple of weeks later, the same thing happened. And then it happened another week and another week. Now, around that same time, he started talking about how he and his wife ended up going over to this local casino. And he said one morning, hey, I just dropped in one quarter in one of those slot machines. And all of a sudden I was entered in this drawing for a classic roadster. And I, I, honest, I honestly don't remember what the car was, you know, some sort of classic 1960s or 1950s car. But he was talking about it all morning, how great it would be to win now that he was entered in that drawing. And I was only 19 years old at the time, and I was fairly trusting. I was also probably a bit naive. So I accepted what he said just right on the surface, that he only spent the one quarter there at the casino. I didn't ask how many other quarters had he put in the slot machine before he was entered into that drawing. But pretty quickly, I started becoming suspicious because every week after that, he started talking about another drawing that he was entered into there at that same casino. And each week, as I'm starting to get, you know, oh, I had to buy supplies, and can I give you a little to tide you over here? That same explanation from him. Well, those things, along with, there was one other problem in working for this man. Since he owned his painting company, his wife and his teenage son, they were often on site there helping with the work during the week, all summer long. But it was obvious. I could see that something wasn't right in the relationship between the wife and the husband and between the son and the father there. Uh, I, I felt really sorry for them because it was like he would keep himself in check when other people were around. But his wife and his son, you could tell there was this kind of underlying fear or unease. Like they'd kind of just give this really slight, tiny flinch if they could tell something didn't go according to plan or if there was something that frustrated him. They had this kind of appearance of being afraid that something bad might come out of that. So between getting stiffed on my paychecks, hearing my boss talk about going to the casino every week, and then seeing how his wife and his son responded to him, I finally told myself, I really need to get out of this job. And I was really wrestling around with it because I had grown up with my parents instilling in me this attitude of, you don't quit, you see something through. If you've committed to something, you see it through. And, of course, I'm going to college, I need money. But I explained everything to my mom. I asked her for her take on it. And once she heard all that was happening, she completely supported me, agreed that I should quit. And so I called up this man and I told him, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be at work the next day. And it was the first job where I'd ever given, where, I, where I'd quit and I hadn't given notice. And after making that phone call, after quitting, there was this huge relief to not be connected to this man anymore, not to have to deal with some of that behind-the-scenes drama that was going on. And I didn't have any actual proof, uh, but I had this overwhelming feeling that he just wasn't being honest in most of his dealings, not only with me, but with other people, with the people that he was you know, doing the, the house painting for. And sure enough, about a month later, after uh, I had quit, I found out that he had taken... 
three large down payments for three different houses that he had said, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll get them painted. And then he took, took off. He left town. And a little while after that, it came out that he was wanted for tax fraud and for welfare fraud. So not a good situation. Thankfully, when I got out, as I did, I didn't have any association with him at that point. So I didn't have to worry about people coming and questioning if I was involved in any of the the fraud, any of the, you know, uh, taking people's money and, and leaving town. The only thing that really impacted me, it was minor in the grand scheme of things, it was just simply not getting paid some of the money that I was originally owed, you know, paychecks for those last few weeks that I worked for him. But when you have that job where you know it's not good, I mean, it might not be that you see outright theft there, you know, but if the management, if something's not right, if it's crooked or it's an unhealthy workplace environment, it really does weigh on you. Other jobs that we have, they can simply be boring or mundane, and it's hard to motivate yourself to get up in the morning to go to work. And we're called as Christians, as Catholics, to enter into whatever we do with an attitude of doing it for the glory of God. It's a lot easier when you enjoy what you do, but regardless of whether you have the best job ever or if it's the worst job you've ever had in your life, worst job on the face of the earth maybe, today we want to talk about how we can take our employment, our work, and make it holy, offer it to God for building up his kingdom, and helping us to look at this, dive into how we can offer our work for the glory of God. One of our regular voices here on The Inner Life, our spiritual director for the hour is Father Sam Martin, a priest in the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin, pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish there in Wausau, Wisconsin. Father Martin, so glad to have you back here on The Inner Life. So did you ever have a dreadful job before you became a priest, something that was uh, <laughs> made, made it difficult to go to work every day? Well, nothing that compares to your story, Josh. That was a, a painful uh, time. And I hope the guy, please God, maybe he's had a conversion and you get caught sometimes, you know, you, the truth sets us free. So you hope that some good came from that. But um, I thought you were going to ask if I've had any assignments in the diocese that have been that traumatic. And thankfully, no, you know, but uh, I didn't have many jobs before I became a priest. I was a, a farm kid. So my dad let us... Um, away from the farm very uh, begrudgingly in the summer because there was a lot, lot to do. And I a lot of work a to at do. Hardee's, yeah. right? I always tell people the only trauma that I had was that I worked at Hardee's. I worked the drive through one summer, Dad, so you could get a part-time job. And um, I could never make the twist cones. I just couldn't do it. Maybe I've talked about that on the show. It seems like recently, but I would <laughs> okay. practice at night. My mom called me one time. I had a, a cup and I had the faucet running. And I'm just trying to, you know, because you had to run it right along the, the edge of the cone, you know, and that's how it would you know, these girls that were, they were very kind and anytime Norder would come in they'd take care of it once they were all on their break and of course the guy comes in he's like I want seven twist cones I'm like oh no <laughs> he comes around the car and yeah those little cardboard you know the trays you hand them out four at a time and uh, I will never I mean that's one of those uh, wounds that will be with me until I die I hit the look on the guy's face as I'm handing these are the leaning towers a piece I mean these things are coming down it's just uh, you know it's a disaster and like sir you don't have to pay just take the ice cream and go and he's looking at me like I got a car full of kids and you're going to give me cones like that anyway I'm glad I became a priest I think that's probably you know one of those catalysts that uh, got me into the priesthood <laughs> yeah yeah no I I 
There have been certain jobs, certain areas that I've worked in, and I've said, okay, I, I promise myself that was just such uh, soul-sucking drudgery that I never want to work there again, unless that is the, the last option that I have. So I, I, I understand, um, it, not not the, the squirrel cones, but I've had other jobs that I've said that. But as we look today, Father, at how do we make our work holy? First of all, I think there's this kind of attitude in our culture that if we can get out of work, if if we could somehow be independently wealthy or we had this ability to make money while we could be on vacation all the time, we could be out, you know, uh, in a recreation mode. This is the ideal. But men and women, all of us, were actually created for work. And I remember reading statistics years ago about how people who work longer, if they don't retire early, if they work into their late 60s, especially into their 70s, even into their 80s, they will on average live longer lives than people who do retire early. If you retire early, if you're only, uh, uh, you know, going out and golfing and drinking lemonade and that's your that's your day every single day without any sort of purpose to what you're doing. You're, somehow our physical system knows I'm lacking something. We are made for work. Yeah, that's uh, revealed right from the get-go, you know, especially in the Garden of Eden when we were, uh, you know, in harmony with God and with each other. Uh, it just felt better than how uh, sometimes we resent it and I think just recently some, you know, billionaire or something, the idea that we're going to have robots and we won't have anything to, to do manually, no physical labor. I'm like, gosh, that uh, that's a recipe for disaster. I mean, it, uh, there was a great line, I think William Buckley Jr. said it, that industry is the enemy of melancholy. Having something to do engages the human heart. It gives us a passion, a reason to get out of bed in the morning. Not having something to do, something to contribute, something that gives us life is a deadening thing. It, it's something that robs us of, of what is the meaning? What is the purpose? Why did God create me? Uh, to be, a, a you know, well, like with a parent, you know, we talk about procreation, that they enter into the creative act. And when we work, something analogous is happening. We're entering into this God who created, he worked, and then he rested on the seventh day. So we need balance, of course. I mean, we can make work an idol too, that, uh, you know, work sets you free, I think was what they had above, you know, right? That, and that's not true. I mean, that work is a gift for man, but we're not just a cog on a wheel. We're not just, you know, to be pushed on into this machine and ground up like, you know, the work is more important than the person. No, no, the person is, uh, but we are sanctified by work. And work perfects our character. Without it, I mean, just a level physiologically, you have nothing to do, you'll go downhill. And if they just you know, drank lemonade playing golf, that wouldn't be so bad. But I'm guessing that it's a harder type of lemonade. And that becomes a, a kind of a trap that, you know, leisure right. uh, without a transcendent part, the leisure, of course, we just get bored. I mean, it's the same old, same old. And, and pretty soon we find like Augustine that, you know, our hearts are restless and they, they've tried everything. That, that, that's all the world has. And I don't want anymore. And then he discovered that there is someone who, and that's the one who teaches us. He gives us our work to do our vocation, uh, our calling. Our, uh, and then once we discover that, then we, have plenty of reasons to get out of bed in the morning and we could even whistle while we work like the seven doors because well it's not mere drudgery uh, in some cases it can be but can we sanctify that can we find a divine purpose offered up uh, align it with the divine will and the answer is yes not so easy 
in some cases, but always possible by the, the grace of God. Our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life, Father Sam Martin, a priest in the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin, talking about how we can make our work, the things that we do in our lives, how we can make that holy. Uh, what have you done in your life to offer your work to the glory of God? Has having that attitude of doing your work for God, has that helped to make your work easier, maybe more enjoyable? How has God blessed you because of offering your work for his glory? Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. And we'll take your phone calls and continue our conversation with Father Martin here coming up in just a moment on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life spiritual directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director for the hour, Father Sam Martin, a priest in the Diocese of La Crosse, a regular voice here on The Inner Life. He's the pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau, Wisconsin, and today talking about how we can make our work holy. What have you done in your life to offer your work for the glory of God, and how has God blessed you by doing your work with that attitude, having that mindset that everything that you're doing it's not just for the paycheck, but it really is for the glory of God, for the building up of his kingdom. Our studio line, 888-914-9149. Maybe you're in a uh, uh, not a great job. It's not a great work environment, and it, that's a real struggle for you. And that's why Father Martin is here to take your calls, give you a little advice. 888-914-9149. Email address, innerlife at relevantradio.com. And Father, right before the break, you made reference to Adam and Eve in the garden and the fall. And there's that moment when God casts them out and he says, Cursed is the ground because of you in toil, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. And hearing that word cursed along with toil, there in that same sentence is God, he sends them out from the garden. It might be easy to accidentally kind of conflate this, to put those two words together and come to the conclusion that if there was no original sin, if there wasn't the fall of Adam and Eve, then there wouldn't be a curse, and then we wouldn't have to work, we wouldn't have to toil, as it says there. But if we look at what's actually being said there, it's not God saying you won't have any work to do. It's that it's more along the lines, how I take it is, now you're going to have to work harder than was originally planned. Because even the angels in heaven, I mean, they have tasks, they have responsibilities, they have their role that they play with those things that they're doing for God, for his kingdom. So again, you know, I think this all points back to we are created for work. Even if there wasn't original sin, we would have work that God would expect us to do. And, and it does, as you said, it perfects our character. 
not always so enthusiastic about it. It's like, gosh, I had a nice weekend, and I've got to get up and, and get myself uh, ready for work. And so there's a, that's part of the fall. That's part of the uh, the impact. I Just a month ago or so, I was out in Colorado and climbed a mountain, and I love to climb, love to hike, but it's it's just harder at you know fourteen thousand feet. I mean, it's a lot harder, especially when you're from Wisconsin. You can't get your wind, so those, that's you know kind of an image of of you know it's still enjoyable, still beautiful, still a great experience, but it's uh, you're huffing and puffing, and the heart, lungs, they've got to work that much harder. And uh, but this is what our God did: is that He came, and He worked too, and uh, He He embraced suffering. He said that this now could become redemptive. Or you can complain about it. You can blame others. You can try to get out of it. You can uh, take the shortcut and and deprive yourself of the blessing of redemptive suffering. A God who, on a cross, set his people free, on a cross showed us that love is uh, it's going to cost you something. There's a, a great book by uh, Bonhoeffer, you know, The Cost of Discipleship. Yeah, the Lord says, if you're going to follow me now, you got to deny yourself and take up your cross and, oh, gosh, that doesn't sound so easy. No, and this is what Chesterton said. It's not that Christianity has been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and not tried at all. And uh, it, we'd, all of us would say, yeah, you know, the times where I just want to lay here all day and indulge my own pity party and feel sorry for myself. And But the great heroes of the human race, the men and women we call saints, they felt that way too. It's not like they didn't. Uh, but they got up and they, they kept going. A friend of mine, he was raised on a dairy farm, and he always tells a great story about um, his sister. One morning in the winter, they were getting up to do the, the chores, to milk the cows, and, and she was a, maybe a teenager at the time, and she just wasn't having it. So she said to her dad, you know, she's almost ready to go out, you know, hat and gloves and jacket and everything, and, Dad, I don't feel like milking the cows. <laughs> and he smiled and he said, neither do I. And he put his hat and gloves on and went out and did it anyway. And that's love. I mean, that's that's what work can lead to, a determination to do something for someone else. Uh, he wasn't merely doing it because he enjoyed it, but he had to put some food on the table for his kids and raise them and give them a chance yeah. to find their way. So beautiful things that we can learn, but it's just not as easy as it would have been. Now you're outside and mosquitoes bite and flies are all I mean, it's just, you know, come on, Lord, can we get some help here? Yeah, but I, I like that example, too, because that father is being so honest about the fact that, you know, he's not trying to put on some, uh, you know, brave face or, or make it seem like, oh, no, if you just if you throw yourself into it, you're going to love milking the cows at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. No, no, no. It's yeah, I'd rather be sleeping, too. But this is this is what needs to get done and this is how we make things work in our family and this is how we're going to pay bills and we're going to make sure that everything proceeds as it should so that you know we have clothes we have heat we have a roof over our heads as we are talking here let's just get right to it then we're created for work what do you think then is the key thing for us in making our work holy and i know we're talking about typical employment. But St. Paul, he says in a couple of different places in some of his letters that whatever we do, you know, don't do it just for others. Do everything for God, for his glory. So even if we're at home and we're doing housework or we're helping a neighbor mow their lawn or we're clearing snow off the driveway for someone, all these things should be done for God. So what's the best way to instill this sort of attitude or this mindset 
in all the work and all the activities that we do, that it's all for God's glory? I think a key is just how we start the day, you know, the old prayer of the morning offering that, uh, you know, we're grateful for another chance, another opportunity to serve, you know, that the devil said he wouldn't serve. And that's, uh, that's the antithesis or the opposite of love. But the Son of God came not to be served, but to serve to give his life as a ransom. So that little morning offering that we make to say that I'm just grateful, Lord, to be able to contribute something. And I have a parishioner that she's in her late 90s, and she wrote me this beautiful card recently and said, I, I can't do anything any, anymore, Father, but what I can do is I pray. And if you need me to put another log on the fire, I think that was her way of saying, if you need extra prayers, then just let me know. And, and that, that's something that, that comes from a lifetime of, of contribution, a lifetime of work. And she's admitting, I can't do those things, but I still have something I can do. And when you're in your late 90s, there are probably uh, you know, some aches and pains that uh, she can also uh, put on that, that, that holocaust of God's divine love, the, the fire of, uh, that, that burns away, purifies our heart, burns away any selfishness and sin. So I think that's going to be the key is it's our heart, what's in our heart, how we approach things. You know, they, when they're climbing in the mountains, they say it's not the altitude, it's the attitude, and that is the key. You know, it's not like oh, I can't do it; it's too high. No, what? If you're determined, you you really want to do this, and you're just in it no matter what. It's it's worth the effort; it's worth the sacrifice. So, and that's where God, if we give Him that opportunity, if we're prayerful people, He can change hearts. And usually, it's just a it's a, it's a subtle shift. You know, like we come to work scowling and everything's unjust and the boss has his favorites and I'm not one, or whatever. I mean, if you want to be angry, pick your poison. There's plenty of uh, good reasons. But that's not good for us, and we don't, you know, serve well when we're angry or fuming. So prayer changes that. Anger is not the opposite of love. Indifference is. So anger just needs to be baptized a little bit. And uh, pretty soon, you know, we give that to the Lord in prayer, and then we find that um, we can, you know, make the best of it. You remember the old commercial, Josh? I mean, I don't know what your age is, but it was an old Dunkin' Donuts commercial, and the guy would get up, you know, <laughs> crazy dark and cold, and it's time to make the donuts. And uh, every time, you know, he'd come back, I made the donuts. And sometimes it feels like that. You know, ask parents when they get up in the middle of the night, time to make the donuts, time to feed the, the baby, time to, you know, the baby's teething, sick. Uh, who knows what? It's <laughs> just... You know, like, can they schedule these things? You know, it's like for us as, as priests, you know, when funerals come, like, they never call ahead. They, we don't know. We just have to set our life aside, and that's what we were ordained for. But uh, these things take time. Mostly prayer is what changes the heart to accept that it's a privilege to be able to do anything for anybody. I mean, God doesn't need us, but he's, he's asked us. He has given us these tasks, not as punishment, but as a medicine to help us to be holy. We want to be holy. We just thought there would be an easier way. And, uh, it, but what does Jesus say? My yoke is easy, my burden light. But only if you're close to Jesus. If you're not, you're right. going to complain a lot. So, Oh, sure, yeah. If you're trying to do it on your own, then all of a sudden you're making it more your own burden, your own yoke that you're taking on rather than the one that Jesus is giving you. Our spiritual director uh, today here on The Inner Life, Father Sam Martin, and we're talking about how we can make our work holy how have you been able to do that in your own life? And has having that attitude of doing your work for God, has it helped to make your work easier or more enjoyable? And how has God blessed you because of offering your work for his glory? And maybe 
you're in a job right now where it's really difficult to offer that work to God, and you'd like a little advice on how to proceed, how you can incorporate that into your daily routine. That's why Father Martin is here, and our studio line is open for your call, 888-914-9149, Father, we've got Julie who's listening in St. Louis. Hi, Julie. Welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air. I just wanted to say I am um, I'm an RN, and um, I've been an RN for 30-some years, and I've trained hundreds of nurses, and I have found that most of them leave the field by, especially bedside nursing, by about year five. It's hard. It's very, very, very hard work. Um, and I have discovered that for me, the only thing that makes it easy is to give it to God. And my whole job is really being done for God. Um, and I pray my way into work. And when I miss that prayer on my way into work, um, I really feel it. I really feel it. But I know he's with me when I pray. Um, even when I don't, I know he's with me. But I, I do miss it when I haven't said my prayers. And I agree. You give it to God, and, and it makes everything so much easier. Yours is a beautiful life, Julie, but uh, I always think it's one of the more difficult ones because um, you're working with human beings, and they're always a bit unpredictable. And then they're sick, so they're not going to be the best version of themselves. Uh, St. Gianna, the, the great uh, Italian pediatrician, she thought that, you know, that it's kind of analogous to the priest who works with the soul and those in medicine, doctors and nurses and so forth, they, they work with the body. But both are working with a human person, creating God's image and likeness. And uh, I just know when I had uh, my hip replaced years ago that you're so dependent on the people that provide that care and you're so grateful, at least I was. I, they, they did so many things for me that I couldn't do for myself. And so you're really in a vulnerable position as a, as a patient. And uh, I think these are ways of, of really serving the body of Christ. Now, there's a great movie uh, about um, St. Giuseppe Moscati. He was an Italian doctor, died in about 1927. And Ignatius puts the movie out. But in, another one of these where it really highlights the the beauty of, of medicine, of working with God's children, and how not everybody sees it that way. You know, I mean, it's just a job, it's a career, a way to make some money, who knows what. But, but Julie, that's not the way, because you opened your heart to the Lord, uh, you can be literally, you know, when a, at least spiritually, you can be his hands, his heart, his face, his smile. Uh, this is the way Mother Teresa always trained her sisters, is to, to be uh, the face of Jesus for them, to let people know that, that there is a, a God and he looks upon us with, um, you know, that he, everything he created he said was good and uh, eminently good, us, but we're damaged now and uh, we don't believe that, you know, so we try to prove to God that we are good or we're lovable. Or, so, but um, for all those nurses out there, you, you do a nice job of representing the difficulty of the life, but um, the hidden you know, beauty that's inside somehow at that cross that Mary could find that her son dying, but there was still great hope there. Uh, and as you help people, you know, hopefully to get better, but sometimes to, to leave this world, uh, you're trying to be that witness at the, at the crucifixion that this isn't the end, no matter what may come, uh, whether you, you get healthy again and have a long life or you 
as you come into the end of your earthly pilgrimage, this is not the end. Uh, what did Churchill say that about death, that this is not the end? It's not even the beginning of the end. Perhaps it's the end of the beginning, uh, which is a good way, I think, of looking at it. But um, yeah, Julie, are you still in the trenches, still hard at it? I am, actually, I am. Um, and I found that I only uh, find myself truly fulfilled when I work with a Catholic facility for some reason. I've worked other places, but um, I find myself in tune with um, their priorities of, of patients um, and taking care of the person and not worrying about the dollar that is being spent, but really being there for them. And it's interesting you say that because my my prayer in the morning is to ask God to take my hands, my heart, and my mind, um, and you know, and to work them to His better, you know, glory and honor. Um, and it's really made a big difference. It's really made a big difference. And yeah, 30 years. That's impressive. I uh, when I was in college, I worked in a factory, and it was just putting stuff in a box and so forth. And it was then that I really, you know, was kind of thinking that as a I think that my vocation, whatever it is, God, is to work with people. I just feel my mom was a teacher, and I just thought, well, I should do something with people. But, you know, people can be tough. You know, there are times where I miss those boxes. I just think, oh, my gosh, they never talk back, and they wouldn't hurt your feelings and things like that. That's why it's an invitation, really, to, to root ourselves in the Eucharist, in, in the heart of our Lord, who does, he loves every one of us. I mean, he's just passionately, what they say, his own family said, he's out of his mind. Well, the St. Jose Maria said, yeah, he's madly in love, and people in love do crazy things. So if we can root ourselves in him, then we can see the people in front of us differently. And it's just a, a degree of change in our heart. It's not like, you know, we're all of a sudden teleported into the, this interior castle, Seventh Mansion or something. But, but we're taking steps, little steps. And your prayer in preparation for your day, Julie, is uh, of inestimable worth. And that's why you were able to do it for all these years. And please, God, some of the girls, uh, other nurses that you've trained, uh, those sowed seeds in their heart, too, to say, well, you know, it's um, because, as you mentioned, only five years that they make it. Wow. Uh, that, that means it's a, not an easy job. And sometimes yeah. we, we need that extra grace, and that's why God permits difficult things. The crucible is just to turn us to him, like, let me help you. Well, no, I, I got it, Lord. I can handle it. Uh-huh. Sure you can. Uh, the better thing is what you've done, Julie, is I can handle it, but I don't have to by myself. I mean, that was never what God wanted. He said, well, let's you and me. We can do this together. And so you have. God bless you, Julie. Thanks for calling. Yeah, thanks for the call, Julie. And Father, we've got a lot of other calls uh, waiting on the line. Uh, so we'll take uh, as many as we can here coming up in the next segment. But right now, also want to mention really briefly here, Father Rocky has a book that we're offering for free, absolutely free, and it's called Marriage Insurance, 12 Rules to Live By. Um, this book, it has really good advice about what can and should be discussed before getting married. So if you have a son or a daughter, maybe you yourself are looking at getting married coming up in the next months or the next year. Uh, but if you, if you do have that son or daughter or grandson or granddaughter and they're kind of on that marriage prep course, uh, this is a great book. And Father Rocky um, has a lot in there about what should be done after getting married to ensure a more stable marriage, um, bringing joy into that relationship. 
And it's a really quick read with just practical tips that can be put into practice right away. Even if you are married, there's a lot in there that you can incorporate into your marriage, even if you've been married 20, 30, 40 years. Uh, Again, it's absolutely free. All you have to do is go to the Relevant Radio website, relevantradio.com, or go to our mobile app, and you'll see the banner. Just click on that, and you can register, and we'll send it to you. Please, only one per household, though. Uh, If you want one uh, for yourself, and you also have, you know, kids or grandkids, encourage them to sign up on their own, but please only one per household there. Uh, And we're going to take more of your calls, as I said, our studio line here as we continue talking about making our work holy, offering our work for God and His glory and His kingdom. Our studio line, 888-914-9149, email address, innerlife at relevantradio.com, and we'll continue talking with Father Sam Martin in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director for the hour, Father Sam Martin, a priest in the Diocese of La Crosse, pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau, Wisconsin, talking about how we can make our work holy, taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149. I want to say a big thank you to Nick Sentovich and Patrick Alog helping to produce and run the show here. And uh, thank you for listening, of course. And want to get back to the phones here, Father. Again, I'll throw out the phone number. 888-914-9149. We've got Eric, who is listening in Madison, Wisconsin. Hi, Eric. Welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air with Father Martin. Hello. Um, uh, thank you for taking my call. I, I really appreciate you, you covering this uh, today. Um, so I, I just wanted to ask you a little bit, can, um, is, uh, okay, the, a toxic work environment? Um, I'm currently kind of in a toxic work environment and I've been really struggling to um, do what I can to obey my boss, especially when he's very kind of like um, pushy and goes beyond the bounds of what uh, normal employers would do. And, um, you know, contacting me at 9 o'clock p.m. on uh, Saturday sometimes on, on Sundays as well, and just asking me to do impossible things and then shaming me when I don't do them. Um, uh, you know, things like that. And basically, I want to find out, is there some way that I can sanctify all of that um, in, in the sense of growing in virtue and all of that? Um, I have some issues with anger when he does these things, and I just, I just try to to work for Jesus and to do it all for Jesus, um, and in union with His passion. But um, yeah, I don't know uh, if you have any insights on how I can uh, do things uh, in a better way, maybe. Yeah. 
Eric, it sounds like a pretty difficult situation uh, that you're dealing with there, Father. Um, yeah, I mean, it's you can hear just kind of the, the the pensiveness in Eric's voice there. Any advice for him as he's wanting to, I mean, really difficult work situation, it sounds like, but he wants to use this as an opportunity to grow in his faith? Yeah, and it's always that. I mean, there's never a time that's so evil that, you know, God couldn't produce a saint, but uh, it's this is a big step just to talk about it with someone. I mean, that's where God works in the light. So if you don't have a spiritual director, but maybe someone to talk to periodically, it, number one is, is this what God wants of me at this time in my life? And we're not to run away from everything that's a struggle, but we're not a doormat either. So where is God's will in this? That's always an opportunity to kind of let discernment of spirits. That, you know, where the Lord doesn't promise us an easy life, but he, he also knows that there's a point where, you know, we just are in over our head. This is not good for us. It's not healthy. It's it's only going to lead to a, kind of a bitterness, resentment, cynicism, whatever. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, to, to just pray and to know God's will and always to keep it between us and the Lord. And now maybe we have to come up with a few uh, boundaries. You know, I would guess I just won't answer the phone on the weekend. Uh, I have to if I'm on call at the hospital. But there are other times it's like, you know, I, I we can't do everything for everyone always. We are limited creatures. I mean, this morning's gospel, Jesus went away by himself to a quiet place. He does that on a regular basis, and uh, he's not uh, making any excuses or uh, any rationalization. That's just part of, of his human nature is, is uh, you know, receiving. So we need to, to kind of know our boundaries and other people's too and, and take all that to prayer. Uh, and that means being vulnerable, opening our heart, which, Eric, the fact that you called in today is, is a pretty uh, courageous thing to do. And... Uh, it doesn't mean that, well, now we know. No, it's a process it's to seek to know God's will and just to follow him wherever he leads, you know. And sometimes there will be those difficult moments, and it, it can last for a while. Uh, but that is where a lot of us learn how to pray. Why do you pray so much? Because I didn't know what else to do. I didn't have any other recourse. I didn't have any other option. I, and then you look back and you think it was the difficult times of my life that actually deepened my spiritual life. If it weren't for the suffering, now... We run away from suffering, and sometimes we, we should because it's not of God's will. This is something that's evil and so forth. But maybe we should, you know, uh, really unite our heart to Christ, ask the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the communion of saints, and um, good spiritual direction, talk to somebody, and, uh, and search for that peace that God alone can give. There's peace even at the foot of the cross. There just is. I mean, that's the great shock. It's the great mystery, and only for those that... Um, or of a spiritual maturity and so forth, can find it. I'm not anywhere near that, but the saints did. They could find uh, peace in their suffering and the struggles of their life, and uh, like a Mother Teresa and so forth. So, Eric, you got a lot of people praying for you now, and uh, I'm sorry for the situation, but and always to pray for the people that are tough to love, at least because that will protect our heart. Otherwise, we'll start to, to really not like them or something much worse. And our heart has finite space. You don't want that stuff to crowd out the good stuff, so uh, we need to really pray for our persecutors and sometimes uh, and it might be our yeah. boss. So God bless you, Well, Eric. and it, as you're saying that too, Father, it reminds me of, and Eric, you might try and read the autobiography of St. Therese of Lisieux if you haven't, because she has how she kind of explains the there was one nun who she just found so annoying and infuriating, and she just said, okay, I've got to pray for this person. And that nun eventually said, why are you so kind to me when nobody else isn't? And she said, oh, I thought I was just being so rude and, 
<laughs> and impatient. Um, and it, it really it really showed that the prayer that St. Therese was putting through, trying to say, help me to love this person I find unlovable, it really helped her to make those strides in loving that person. So that might be another thing you try there, Eric. Uh, Father, we've got Joseph who's listening in Sacramento. Hi, Joseph. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Father. I want to share my uh, little story. When I was on active duty, I used to repair medical equipment, and I loved it so much. I loved it so much that I I used to think that the people would touch, hopefully with my expertise, would be nursed back to health, and that I would see Jesus in them. One time, I loved it so much. I don't know why I did this, but I took... uh, a picture of the Blessed Mother, and whenever I worked on equipment, I kept it right there and looking at her, telling her how much I loved it and how much I'm thankful for the grace that I can do this. Uh, just wanted to share that, Father. If we could live like that uh, more often, the world would be a better place, you know, and uh, certainly our Blessed Mother, she smiles on us. And imagine all the times that she helped uh, Jesus to, you know, she made breakfast and out he went, you know, and after Joseph died, I suppose Jesus ran that carpenter shop. And so she's a great friend of, of workers. She's uh, not afraid to roll up her sleeves. There wasn't anything she is in terms of the, the work around the house. She did that all of her life. You know, she cooked and cleaned and she provided for her family and never found that to be demeaning, but sanctifying. So she uh, no doubt has helped you, uh, Joseph, to have that, that beautiful disposition and I think all of us can hear that and say, gosh, do I have that kind of attitude about my work? Uh, I do after Mass because I've said all my prayers, but it runs out real fast, Joseph. Usually by 10 o'clock, I'm kind of on empty. But <laughs> thanks for calling in. God bless you. All right. And, uh, Father, we've got Bonnie who's listening in Chicago. Uh, Bonnie, you're on the air with Father Sam Martin. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. I wanted to call in because I um, work for a children's hospital and I work in a lab. I'm by myself um, for the most part, um, other than bringing in um, the patients back. I draw the blood and I process it. But it really gave me a lot of opportunity to pray during the day. I would pray for, you know, the patients, um, especially if it was like infants that I was seeing on a normal basis and got to know like their, their families or, or just praying that I hope, you know, like I'm able to draw this little one so they can get the test done. Um, it was really wonderful because I could put my phone on and I can listen to relevant radio. I could turn on prayers on YouTube. It was really, really nice. Um, but then, um, I was working because my husband was out of work because of COVID. And so for two whole years, we did this like flip-flopping where he's home with the kids and then I'm, I'm at work. Um, and now he's back to work and I had to change jobs. Um, I work as a medical assistant and it's mainly with um, like the elderly. And so it's something completely different um, that... I'm used to, and I'm really having a hard time because I just feel like I don't have what I used to when I was working in the lab. I don't have, like, you know, the privacy or the capability to take out my phone and listen to a prayer, Um, and that's something that I really do miss, and I mean, I do pray, still pray for my patients because I have, like, 
a lot of passion for the elderly. I love working with them. But I'm just missing out on that opportunity to just be more by myself. And just, I was so blessed to have that before. Um, and I'm feeling Bonnie, I'm going to jump okay. in just because we're getting towards the sure. end of the hour here, and I want to let Father uh, respond. I also want to say thank you for your work there at that children's hospital. Uh, our youngest son was in a children's hospital, and that work is so appreciated. But I know I'm I'm saying this on behalf of so many other parents out there. But uh, Father uh, Bonnie, you know, she finds herself in this situation where she doesn't have that same access to time for prayer during the day. Any advice for her? Well, just to be aware of it, like she is, and we'd all go back to certain moments, you know, that we'd say, I'd have that day, that that life again. But somebody just gave me this little note, and probably they were reading my soul, but they, they wrote this in the margins of their prayer book, let go of the results of your efforts. Listen, follow, let go. Remember, it's God's work, and uh, he'll complete it in his own way. We can't see the design. So it, she went on to say, just pull through the green yarn, and then when asked, pull through the red one and maybe stand still, whatever God asks, no matter how it seems to us, it's like we're learning, uh, you know, his will and, and learning to follow him. And uh, so I think that, you know, Heraclitus said you can't put your foot in the same river twice. That life just keeps moving. The Lord says, put your hand to the plow, don't look back. But Lord, I was so happy. I was, yeah, a taste of heaven. Uh, something that it reminds us of the communion, the things that we hope to share forever. But we... Um, all of us uh, here, we have no lasting city, and our life is not our own. We try to follow, and we always have those moments where, I mean, I just think of Jesus the night before he died. He was sad. They didn't know why. They couldn't tell, but he must have been melancholic because he was leaving his friends. He knew it would never be like this again, ever, that he would see them, but now he'd be risen, and his mission had come to its end, and his human nature had very much bonded. He loved these, and having loved these, you know, his friends, he loved them until the end. So we get an experience of that, that, um, gosh, you know, Lord, I want to stay. He said, everybody does, but we can't. We have to keep going. And so we can count our blessings and be grateful, but they, we do live in that tension, and it does hurt. And uh, we, that's a preparation for leaving this world for the final time. And so anybody gets that opportunity, take it, embrace it, thank God for it. Our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin, here during this hour of The Inner Life. And Father, uh, we've got about 15 seconds for a final blessing for all of our listeners. May God bless, guide, protect each one of you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. All right. Thank you so much, Father. And of course, go back and you can find the entire podcast a little later this afternoon. It'll be available at relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Also want to encourage you to join us tomorrow. We're going to be talking about forgiveness. Sometimes that is such a difficult thing to do. Be able to forgive somebody if they've really, really deeply hurt you. Father J.P. Mitchell is going to be our spiritual director as we try and tackle that tough topic tomorrow. Of course, stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up here in about 15 seconds on Relevant Radio. You know, the word is spreading around America. This is the go-to place if you've got a prayer and you want the whole country praying for it. So I invite people to join us every night for the Family Rosary Across America Live. 7 p.m. Central. Bringing Christ to the world through the media. Relevant Radio. I just want to say real quick, thanks to everybody that calls in. It's so encouraging. What a great community it is. All the shows on Relevant Radio all day long. They're so uplifting. Bringing Christ to the world through the media. Relevant. Relevant Radio.